Hello, my name is Ronnie Edwards and I'm the director of Pomozzi Creatives. Thank you for joining us. So the quick backdrop to this podcast is that we are super excited to be launching Portsmouth's first Inspirational Women's Awards. Say it with me, Inspirational Women. They are everywhere, sometimes quietly, sometimes loudly, making an impact to their communities. And we want to celebrate them. You can go online to pomozicreatives.org.uk and nominate your person in time for International Women's Day. The women interviewed in this particular series are actually on the selection panel um, for the awards and are trailblazers in their own way. Enjoy. So I'm just here um, in the incredible Claire Martin's office. Um, It's quite a lively office space in Pompey in the Community. Claire, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Um, So you are one of our trailblazers for the Inspirational Women Award. Um, We selected you because of the incredible work that Pompey in the Community does. Would you mind telling us what Pompey in the Community is all about? Yeah, we're the charity affiliated to the Foot Club. So we use the brand to engage and infuse learners, participants um, throughout Portsmouth and the surrounding areas. Fantastic. And there's different uh, branches within that, isn't there? Is um, an elite programme? Yeah, we run all sorts of coaching. So um, primarily it's, it's all about reaching out to the community. So there's a lot of grassroots. Um, so any youngster can come along and join some of our skills programmes, after school clubs, lunchtime clubs. Yeah. And then that feeds through to our development programme okay. where youngsters are selected to play f- and represent Pompey. Oh, um, so we've got boys teams under 10 to under 16, girls teams now under 10s to under 16s. Yeah. And then that feeds through to our BTEC programme. So those youngsters come here, play football, uh, represent Pompey in the National Leagues, and then also do a full-time BTEC programme with us. And then eventually, um, a few of them come and stay and do their degree with us. So they do a degree in sports coaching. So you've got, um, I saw some, we're just in the office space, some BTEC students, were they? They're BTEC students, yeah. Yeah, they all they all wear the Pompey kit, so um, it sort of makes them really feel like they belong to something. Yeah. And also those students are out doing work experience and delivering in primary schools. Okay. So it's nice for the youngsters to see, yeah. you know, exactly. It's quite aspirational yeah. as well. And you also do some inclusion work. Yeah, we have free and open access sports sessions all over the city, so any youngster can come along and join in at no cost. Um, the idea is that you know, rather than just hanging out, they're actually doing something constructive. Mm-hmm. That leads to some volunteering opportunities, potential qualifications, and eventually work experience and possibly paid work. Which is fantastic in itself. And then you, I think you might have, because we were chatting earlier on, mentioned a disability programme, which sounds really... Brilliant. Yeah, it's getting there. Um, you know, it's one of my things. I don't want anybody to feel that there isn't something for them. Mm-hmm. So we now have uh, an amputee team, mm-hmm. which is high flying. Mm-hmm. I think three of our participants are playing in the national team and going to the amputee World Cup next year in America. Oh, wow. So that's quite exciting. In America. Yeah. And how do they fundraise for that? Do they? Well, interestingly, yeah, there wasn't much. They're not affiliated to the FA. Um, but the Premier League have just come in and said they will actually pay for oh, the squad incredible. to go. So they were fundraising themselves. We're very lucky. We're sponsored by Owen Mitchell, who cover the costs of our amputee team. Okay. Um, okay. But then we also have Powerchair, so youngsters play football in their electric wheelchairs with bumpers on the front and big yeah. balls. Um, we have frame football, 
So young people in their frames will play football, special needs football. We're just launching um, deaf football, where you play football with a bell in the in the ball. Oh, okay, I've seen um, so those. Not yeah. It's, it's like really big, and they've, they've got holes in them. The, yeah. the ball's got the holes in yeah. them with a the bell. So they chase the ball with a bell. I mean, it's quite incredible to watch yeah. it. Um, and then some uh, visually impaired football that we're just looking to start as well. So the opportunities are endless. And then we, we launched walking football about four or five years ago for older men, mm. well, older people. Mm. Um, and we now have 70, 80 people in our walking football squad and they've just announced they're going on tour to Portugal with three teams next year. So that's, awesome. that's thriving as well, yeah. which is great. So is, is this model similar in other football teams? It sounds like a mm. really extensive. Community. Most clubs have a community scheme. Um, generally, it's a charity which enables us to secure funding and make sure that funding is, is ring fenced. Yeah. Um, and that's mandatory if you're in the higher leagues. Right. Um, and it just depends. Some places it's still sort of a couple of people and a bag of balls. Mm -hmm. Other clubs, it's more extensive. Yeah. Um, it's really down to the clubs and their aspirations. Yeah. Um, and Everton and Liverpool have got a phenomenal scheme. Mm. Um, you know, every year we get together as, as chief execs of the charities and we share okay. work and things. But there, there's no normal. It's very different. Okay. But we're certainly not alone. Very good. And how did you end up being involved in pumping the community? Um, well, I was a teacher. And uh, I worked up on Lee Park in a primary school. Um, and at that point, there was an organisation uh, called Playing for Success. And they opened up a learning centre here at, at Fratton Park, which was a three-way organisation, the local authority, the football club and the Department for Education. Mm -hmm. And it was a learning centre taking youngsters who maybe didn't engage with learning and, and bringing them to the, the club after school and teaching English and math through Pompey. So I was employed as a teacher for that programme. Okay. Um, and that was 18 years ago. And then gradually I've just sort of stayed and expanded and then in the second administration, in fact in the first administration the um, Pompey and the Community Coaching Department moved into the Learning Centre because right. they couldn't be housed in the club anymore. And then we worked as two organisations and in the second administration we sort of merged completely, all became the charity and I just carried on heading it up. So it hasn't been a sort of planned evolution, it's just kind of happened. Mm. Um, which, in a way, it's been a, a sort of natural progression, which is why it's it's now got such a strong foundation, I think. Mm. Yeah, and I, it kind of really comes across that really strong, established kind of presence. A lot of staff have been through that whole journey with me, and, yeah. and I think that's that's why we're quite a powerful team all together. Yeah, yeah. And you, um, what, what is your title within Pompey and the Community? I'm, well, they just call me chief exec, which means I just run the charity and head up the charity. But, you know, I've been taking out the rubbish this morning and um, I think everybody just mucks in and does a bit of everything. Yeah. I think my main day-to-day -day roles are probably fundraising, bid writing, um, sorting evaluations and doing the sort of strategic overview and yeah. sitting on an awful lot of boards and representing the charity within the city. Yeah. So, to me, that's quite a powerful, influential position to be in. Has that, um, do you find that as a woman that that's been a challenge or has it been like a non-issue? Do you know what, I don't really ever consider it. I'm just Claire, mm. I just that's get on fantastic. with it. And, you and know. do people treat you, treat you accordingly? No, not like always. It's interesting, football is still a very much male-dominated world. Uh -huh. And I think having been in football for 18 years, I'll go to conferences and I'm quite often the only female. Okay. There's, there's, there's some more female heads of community. Mm -hmm. And I have been asked some very interesting questions. You know, some of the, the, the men will come up to me and say, how do you cope being a woman in your job? That's so, fantastic. So, so, yeah. you, so that is still 
I kind of think it's irrelevant, and I think in yeah. my role in the charity, it's almost an yeah. advantage yeah. because so much of what we do is not football. Mm. I'm not led by what happens on the pitch. Mm. You know, I have staff that run the football side of things, yeah. and you know, I keep an eye on it. If there's strategic things that we need to get involved with, I do. But if it's actually about kicking balls, yeah. I just let them get on with it yeah. um, because that's not my strength. And I think having a staff where you have the faith to let them run with ideas, to be innovative, yeah. um, and to have the confidence that you've employed the best that you can get and that they're capable. Mm. You know, I don't need to get involved with every single thing mm. that happens within the charity because now I've got, what, 48 full-time staff. I couldn't possibly. Sure. Um, and I do think that a young staff with fresh ideas, you know, just, just sort of perpetuates that freshness. Sure, sure. So there's... Um in your role, there's no, there's never any situations where you have to kind of reassert yourself. Do you think? Um, because you're a woman. No, I don't think so. That's I fantastic. think that's really good to hear. I think I just yeah. have the the presence, and I've been in this job long enough and fought enough battles that I'm quite assertive without trying to be assertive because yeah. I'm female. It just yeah. kind of happens. Yeah. Um, I do try and make an effort not to get teary, and play that game but sometimes it's useful so I save it I save it for special occasions <laughs> and within your role who would you say um has been really inspiring to you there's been a few people and probably people that you would never expect yeah. um in the second administration we had an administrator called Trevor Birch and he basically had to come and pull every single penny of funding from the charity because there wasn't the money in the club to support us anymore and people would think that I would be resentful of him. But he had a vile job to do. But he was such a gentleman and he went about it in such a sort of moral and upfront way that mm. I, I really admire him for it. Mm. There was no hiding behind things. It was mm. just, this is the way it's got to be. Let's do it and let's just get on with it. And I think people like that, you learn a lot from. Actually, there's yeah. no point in hiding from things. Yeah. If two of my staff have an issue, I'll pull them into a room, we'll talk about it. Yeah. And I think you learn things from people that you least expect to sometimes. You know, in some of the hardest situations, you know, you come through and you get the other side and you think, first of all, it's incredible that we're still here as a charity, being the journey we've been on. Yeah. But secondly, without that journey, we wouldn't be as strong an organisation and I certainly wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. There's such strength in that, mm. to be able to uh, work with your challenges like that. That's mm. fantastic. So Trevor is no... Not working with you at the No, moment. he's an administrator that just oh. came in, oh, did a job and um, moved but on. did it with integrity. Yeah. And I think, wow. you know, we had an administrator previously that works in a very different, devious, underhand way. Yeah. And you kind of almost expect that because it can't be a nice job to be in. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and then a lot of the youngsters, I think some of the young people that we work with have overcome such challenges in their short lives. Yeah that you think, crikey, if they can cope with that, really and truly, I should be able to cope with anything. Yeah. Um, so that's always, that's almost yeah. a, a daily, and some of our young staff, yeah. you know, they're sort of 20, 21, and they're coming with these ideas and this enthusiasm. I just love enthusiasm and enthusiastic people, I think. Um, I try and be enthusiastic. And you find yourself feeding yeah. off that. Yeah, you? absolutely, and bouncing. Sort of yeah, energy that yeah. comes with that, I'm yeah. sure. And I think you've been in the office a little while and people bounce into the office and there is that sort of feeling of energy. Yeah. 
and people do say, oh, it's such a lovely place to work. I'd love to work here. Um, I get regular emails saying how friendly everybody is and what a lovely environment. And those are the things that sort of give you that boost and keep you going. Do you know what, Claire? I think that's a real testament to you because I work in loads of schools and I change um, schools every six weeks. And I promise you, schools have got personalities to them. And the personality comes from whoever's at the top. Mm -hmm. And that really trickles down. And it's, it's, it's really funny. Every school I've been to, you think, oh, this is like this. And, oh, this is weird that they do this. And you think, oh, why do they do that that way? And why are they having that kind of attitude? And then you meet the head teacher and you're like, oh. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah. And schools <laughs> change so quickly, don't they? Different head, different ethos. Yeah. I mean, so, there's lots of pressures that... That probably Absolutely. feeds into that. Yeah. The, the expectations that are put on mm. teachers now are ridiculous. But it is amusing, and I can attest to how actually whoever's at the top, the mm. energy, the, the ethos that they carry will no doubt trickle down. Mm. So it's a testament to you that you, you're really enabling of that energy and of that those ideas and that vitality. Thank you. So you keep doing you, lady. <laughs> it's fantastic. And within that... Um, I always think there's strong women in strong positions. They must have been mentored in some way. Is, is there anyone that, that you kind of found yourself being mentored by? I don't think or so. Did other you just kind than of yeah, watch and learn from everyone. I think I was very lucky growing up with my parents. Yeah. Um, you know, my mum worked at special needs school, and I'd go on holiday each year with her as a sort of halfway between an adult and a child and mentor those youngsters and, okay. and be with them. And and there was just this expectation, you just get on and do it. Mm. And my parents are very much black and white, mm. you know, you're not feeling well, just get on into school, you'll feel better once you're there. Mm. And I think it's that attitude that sort of stayed with me, just mm. just, just get on with it. Mm. I remember one year I was offered, a, a when I was a student, um, a temporary job on a cruise ship, mm. but I had to leave the week before Christmas. Mm. So I said, I can't go, I've got to be home for Christmas. My mum was listening on the phone and she went, no, you don't. Who said that? I haven't made that rule. Just go. Tell them you'll go. And so it's just kind of grabbing every opportunity. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that comes from home life. Yeah. But I get so frustrated when, you know, kids are offered an opportunity and they find every excuse in the world not to not do to it. it. When just do it. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I say they only say that you only regret the things you don't do. I don't know if that's completely true. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, you know, the most horrendous experience give you such an appreciation of everything else that actually it is quite a good thing yeah you know i took i was lucky enough to be offered a, a transatlantic trip on um gypsy moth with three youngsters who hadn't sailed before okay. so we're sailing across the atlantic and it was purgatory it really was we had a hurricane form we had big seas it was supposed to take 17 days it took 34 we were on emergency rations oh the mate days. got septicemia and nearly died and it oh was i mean it was when was this purgatory thing? um I found out halfway across I was pregnant with my first child. He's now 12, so 12 years ago. Um, but those kids had never sailed before. We did a four, on, four hours on watch, four hours off watch. Not one of those youngsters missed a single watch. And I said to them before we went, right, I don't swear, you don't swear. Simple rule of the boat. Mm. And I only heard one swear word the whole crossing. And I, even I, who doesn't swear, wanted to swear. It was, mm. it was tough. Mm. And I think, you know, doing and having the opportunities like that and just saying yes. Mm. Had I known what I was letting myself in for, I might have made a different decision, yeah. but yeah. what an opportunity. And find out you're pregnant halfway through. Oh. 
yes. That wasn't... It's um, like a comedy sketch gone wrong. It was horrendous. Well, it was... Well, I still have <laughs> cards that the kids made me on mm. the back of cereal boxes saying, you know, um, congratulations, we're now a crew of seven and things like that. Oh, <laughs> you know, oh, it's like, wonderful. oh. So, yeah, it was, it was fairly yeah. traumatic. I would just remember arriving. We pulled into harbour and in, in Antigua. Um, I phoned my husband and he went, do you know what, you, you, I'll just have to phone you back in and out. I couldn't stop crying. I was sobbing just with relief of being there. And I just went and laid on the grass and cried for an hour. I was so <laughs> relieved to be on dry land. But, yeah, it, and, but, you know, what a great opportunity. And I've always just grabbed at every chance that I've yeah. got, really. Um, that's really good to hear because I'm the moment surrounded by some really challenging um, situations where lots of my friends are struggling with mental health and, and you just think, oh, if only you just let yourself push yourself mm. and just, just do mm. it or just grab mm. what you need to grab. And or just really go for a walk. One, I always think that actually, yeah. do you know what? Sometimes you go home from work and you're exhausted mm. and you're there at that point where you've got two choices. You sit on the sofa with a glass of wine and stew or you change your shoes, you go for a walk, you breathe deeply yeah. and actually nine times out of ten... Yeah. You feel better. Yeah. And I think, you know, I can remember sometimes... I remember one time during the, the second administration when things were, were really bleak here. Yeah. We were on the verge of folding. Yeah. We'd lost every penny of support. And I woke up one morning. I couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't get out of bed. And I remember just crying, 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 yeah. crying. And I actually lay there thinking, do you know what? If I don't get out of bed now and do this, I won't go back. I won't go back. This is, this is my moment to go, do you know what? Sod it. Yeah. I'm doing it. And I did. Yeah. And um, thank goodness I did, because now here we are, stronger than ever, enjoying it more than ever. Yeah. And, but for me, I think I'm really lucky to have that, yeah, that decisive image. moment yeah. that I can think, do you know what? There was a crossroads there, yeah. and this is what I chose. Not everybody is lucky enough to have maybe the mental strength or the, the support or, you know, the... I don't know what it is mm. to make that decision, but I was lucky enough to be able to, and as I say... Yeah, I'm very appreciative of it. And where that came from, it? yeah. But it, it would have been so easy to pull the duvet back over and yeah. just say, that's it, I that's can't do it anymore. And, uh, oh, that's really inspiring. And actually, you've, you've answered my, my question, which was going to be about what you have found challenging in your career. So um, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Claire. Thank you. No, it's, it's, it's lovely. And it's lovely to have the opportunity to, um, to share, because I do feel I'm very lucky having a job that yeah. Yeah, has its challenges, it has its yeah. pits and its falls, but it, it's so... You know, every day is different, yeah. every day is a challenge, but yeah. every day has something that makes you smile. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's great to be in such an environment where, well, you can hear it now just yeah. through the door, just yeah. people happy to be here. Yeah. So if anyone wanted to find out more about pumping the community um, or, or get involved, wh where could we signpost them to? Um, we have a website. Okay. It's getting better. Um, <laughs> um, or just um, you know, just look on our website and ping me an email. Yeah. I'm Claire Martin at pompeyitc.org.uk, and I'm happy and to have emails. And the website is Pompey in the community. Pompeyitc. Pompeyitc.co.uk. Yeah. Claire Martin, thank you very much. Pleasure. <laughs>